The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to talk about two Austin FC midfielders, one who was already in town but not yet signed, one who was signed but not yet in town. Uh, that's Felipe Martins and Johan Valencia. We're also going to do a bunch of listener questions. It was a little bit of a snow, slow news week, and so we put the call out on Twitter, and you all responded. We have probably more questions than we can get to, but we're going to do our best to get through as many as we can. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, I want to talk about, you know, we don't talk, we don't talk about our work, workout routines or fitness regimen or anything like that very often. It's because probably, I don't have one. Yeah, yeah probably for good reason, because <laughs> they're more or less non-existent. But you've uh, re-entered the world of, of soccer a little bit, right? So oh, yes, let's talk I about pickup soccer. Yeah, it's pickup soccer about to be organized soccer. So I'm about to play my first ever like organized 11 v 11 full pitch soccer season and i'm a little bit panicky about it so when does it when does it start it starts this coming saturday so i'm nice. playing on a team with with chris blohausen and uh elias posada who does a lot of video stuff for los verdes um it's a, a yeah a like a pretty low competition level we're like in the fourth division of like a co-rec recreational league so i don't think there's going to be a bunch of killers out there but uh we've been playing a bunch of pickup doing some practicing and trying to get ready for the season and so if you're watching a y scout video of yourself like what would you list as your strengths and weaknesses <laughs> and then where you know on that and because we'll get into this uh, imagine some transfer market chart about where people play on the field like you know where do you play like like give the give the land and cotton rundown from land and cotton so I was I went out to Los Verdes pickup a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, and uh, Taylor Rudolph was commenting on my shoes, and he was like, oh, "You would have those shoes," and I just have like some like black kangaroo leather Adidas, and I was like very proud that I have a strong enough brand that Taylor is like, "Yeah, those are the shoes you would wear." <laughs> but I would I was I want to ask you what, what position do you think I would play? I, I would, I would, uh, so I would, I'm going to go with defensive midfielder. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you see the field. I feel like maybe you're not as quick as you were at some point in your life. I feel like you can, you know, you can make plays and distribute, but maybe, you know, not, uh, not, not a great finish or anything like that. How, how close or not close am I? You're exactly right, Jeremiah. Oh, I, really? Yeah. That's, that's the spot I like to play the most uh, on this team. I'll probably end up playing like, uh, anywhere along the back six, like central mid, center back, full back. Uh, but I do like playing like a holding mid and just kind of like collecting the ball and redistributing. But I am not a good finisher. I, I like started playing as an adult and don't have that like that touch or the precision to be able to do that. But I am like I'm extremely proud of how good my touch is, like um, receiving the ball and like decent vision passing the ball. Again, very low bar, but like I played other sports my entire life and starting soccer as an adult was extremely frustrating because of how bad I was at it. But I'm to a level now where I'm like holding my own with people who have been playing for a long time. So I'm I'm pretty proud of myself. That's awesome. So I'm like, do you have a team name? Do you have, I'm assuming you don't have called like a, you're not sponsored Bonito. by Carback or anything? 
<laughs> no, no sponsors yet. And we all, I think we're going to, I just like bought a shirt from Under Armour the other day because they had the right color. Uh, but it's, yeah, we don't have sponsors or like, but I th- I think we're called Jogo Benito, I think. Okay, awesome. And where do y'all, where do y'all play? For the, for those people that are interested, in checking this yeah, out. Yeah, anybody who wants to come out and check yeah. it out. <laughs> uh, we'll be playing out at the Onion Creek Soccer Complex, which I've heard is is quite nice for for like amateur fields. All right. that's I'm, I'm proud of you, man. That'll be really good. If you ever Thanks. need like a real butcher of a center back who's not very good, but is willing to play dirty, I can do that for like... Oh, we need that. We need we that. We can do that for like we'll, 10 we'll minutes. We'll put you on the sub list. Oh, it's, it's, it's unlimited subs too. So you can like run in and out every five minutes if you want, which that's, I will that's the be kind doing. Of soccer I need. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Johan Valencia. He is finally in town. Uh, there was some amateur sleuthing and um, a utilization of club resources to find out when he was actually going to get here. Fans found out when that was going to be, and they were waiting at the Fairmont Hotel for him when he got there. I was going to, tr- I was, I was at the Fairmont Hotel. I was there about two and a half minutes late to actually see him oh. get there. <laughs> I thought I saw you in the background of some of the video, of the pictures and stuff. Maybe that was like after he had been there. Yeah, not not while he was there. He was already inside the hotel by the time uh, I got there, but. Uh, by all accounts, he seemed very like surprised and happy to see everybody there. Looked like it was great. All the videos and everything looked amazing. So uh, I, I think it's so cool that we get to do stuff like that now. Just to, I mean, last year we would have done it more, but COVID kind of threw a wrench in all those works. But um, it seems like we're kind of hitting a sweet spot with that where it'll be a little bit more open and people don't have to be as worried about that kind of stuff that we can do that with Gabrielson whenever he gets here and got to do it with Valencia the other day. Um, so uh, he looked really, really happy and smiling in the pictures. So I think which Johan has the best smile is something we need to address before we go. Oh on. man. Okay. I mean, it's an amazing I, winning smile. It is. I haven't talked to you about this yet, but I'm already, I already have this in the works for the next episode of swoon tower. Okay. I think we're planning on doing, listeners, you heard it here first. We're going to do a smile bracket and we're going to do a seated list and then split it out into a tournament style bracket. Of course, the Johans are going to be on opposite sides of the bracket. <laughs> they better be. <laughs> if they meet, it will be in the final. Uh, but yeah, pretty pretty amazing smiles there. Um, do, you, do you have a favorite between the two? I have to go with the Johan I've known at this point. I think. Yeah, original I, Johan. I'm I'm on I'm on the same boat in the same boat for sure. Um, well, let's talk about if we're going to see him in action for the first game. I think this is something you tweeted about today, right? Yeah. So we saw the. I, I was thinking about this and was about to start like texting people or calling around and see if I could figure out like when he was actually going to get to start training. And the club posted a, a photo of him standing behind Josh Wolf in like like kitted up and ready to go. So he's training today. Uh, I would guess we've got what, like 20, 25 days until the home opener. I would guess he'd be ready to rock and roll and start if he's, if he's um, tactically ready to, I think physically he's, he'll be ready to go by that home opener. I think 19. his last it's also 19 days, Landon, 19 days. Sorry. Uh, so he played his last match on December 22nd. And so he's, just over a month out of competitive competition, but you would imagine with him knowing the season was coming, he's been staying fit at least a little bit. 
we'll have uh, over two weeks to to kind of get back into fitness. So he should be ready to go that first game. Yeah, that'll be nice. And he's hopefully we'll we'll see. The, you know, he should get some preseason action too. Um, but yeah, that's really exciting. We'll talk a little bit about Gabrielson, I think, later on um, in terms of the questions. And then we had this article that came out today from Brian uh, Parker, which was in, was it in Austin Monthly? Austin Monthly, that's right. That uh, talked about where he was going to play. And we believe that Brian was the first person to get a direct quote from Josh Wolf about where we should expect to see him on the field. So do you want to read that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Brian, uh, I, he interviewed me for the article as well. And he he had already talked to Wolf and he asked me about that. He's like, has Wolf said this explicitly? But I think I think Brian got the first explicit quote about this. And this, the quote from Wolf is, having Johan Valencia, who has the ability to, to patrol the back line, will allow Alex to play a little further, uh, a little further forward and get closer to goal. And I think he, he told me he got a, a quote from Alex Ring saying essentially the same thing. Um, but I think we had heard both of them hint at the fact that they'd like to get Alex a bit further forward. But in the context of Valencia and the team, I think this is the first time we've heard them say, yeah, Alex is going to play in front of Valencia, which I think we all kind of assumed, but it's good to know and like exciting to hear that that's the plan and that's what we're going forward with. Uh, and then I think after that, so that was Saturday morning. Some people, after that happened uh, at the Fairmont, went to the pitch to watch an Academy game that wasn't. Or I guess we knew the Academy game wasn't already then, right? Yeah, I guess we found out the day before. Is that when they canceled the Academy game? Yeah, yeah, they canceled the Academy game the day before, and it was it was like, uh, I think, due to conditions caused by the winter storm. Basically, the whole field was iced over, and all the stands were iced over the day before, and they were worried about... They were worried about the Frisco U-17s getting down and then also worried about sort of the safety um, of the fans and players like on the field and at the stadium that day. But as it turned out, it was like the next day it was, I don't know, 48 degrees and sunny or something. So everything had completely cleared off. It would have been a beautiful day to play soccer at that field. But I think it was probably smart to not take that risk because you never weather super unpredictable. You never know what's going to turn out. Yeah, it's a little disappointing it didn't happen because it came out that they had over 2000 people RSVP to it. Where, where, who did the club report that or did someone else did someone uh, else report that? The Chris Bills got it from the club. Chris Bills okay. tweeted it and it was it was yeah, it was from somebody at the club. So they have over 2000 RSVP. So yeah, it would have been a heck of a turnout. I assume that they will do that again. I mean, I think knowing how much interest there is in that, you know, seeing them and that's really the first time I had seen that facility close up because it was open and you, you could go into the stands and you could check out the field and stuff like that. I mean, it's beautiful. I, I have to imagine they're going to try to use it for more public events. Yeah. I'm hoping that they can find a good little window for it just because like the season hasn't started yet. It was against Dallas. Like it was, it was kind of the perfect time to do it, to get a lot of people out there. I'm hoping they can find another window that works out that way because during the season, it's going to be a little bit harder to get a big crowd out there on a yeah. Saturday morning, probably. I think for sure it'd have to be during an international break or something like that in order, you know, like a break in the season in order to get a bigger crowd out. But yeah, I mean that the stadium was re- the facility was really nice. The uh, that the pitch thing next door was open. Um, it food was really good. Jackson swears it was the best chicken quesadilla he's ever had in his life, and he's ready to go back and get it. <laughs> and that boy can eat a chicken quesadilla. Um, he's he's had chicken quesadillas too, so he's he's a good <laughs> judge. Yeah, he's had plenty. Uh, beer lines were open along and it was cool. It was, you know, we, some of the people went straight from the Fairmont out there to see that event. I saw like Josh Jackson and Brandon Peterson and just like all these people that have been involved, like 
ever since it ever since this whole thing started, you know, out there just kind of enjoying enjoying the day and enjoying the scene. So it'd be a really cool um, venue to to check things out in. And then I think the Pringles cult people got their first <laughs> scarves that they distributed too. I think they finally. We should maybe explain that this is a cult that uh, that was sparked and cultivated within Los Verdes Slack. That is now it's it's like a full-blown cult dedicated to Pringles because by buying Pringles last season, people ended up getting like 10, 15, 20 jerseys for almost no money from this, uh, this promotion that, that whatever Kellogg's who, who, who owns Pringles, whoever owns Pringles should know this. Yeah. Whoever owns Pringles, (laughs) but because people were buying so many Pringles, they like jokingly. And then later, not so jokingly, have a cult dedicated to San Julius, who is the little man on the Pringles can. Yeah, it's something I never expected to know anything about, but we know <laughs> we know too much about. So yes, yeah, Saturday, good day overall. And then and then some of the people went straight from there because that, that place is right by where they paint the TIFO. So some people had like Valencia hang out at the pitch and then go paint TIFO in the afternoon. Like it was a full Saturday for some Austin That's FC right. fans. I didn't go to the pitch, but I did go paint some TIFO uh, that night. Y'all, the the TIFO for the first game is going to be so cool. I I am legally not allowed to say anything about it, but it is very cool, and I can't wait for everybody to see it. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Felipe Martins, who I got uh, Mateo Clark of Los Verdes and La Morga speaks Portuguese, and I got him to kind of phonetically spell out how to say this guy's name. And I think the like the Portuguese pronunciation is more like Felipe and then the last name is like Marchines uh I'm gonna struggle with that one I'm not gonna lie but I've heard him like I've heard him actually say his own name Felipe uh he speaks five or six languages and is he's a U.S. citizen now he's lived in the country for a long time and so I don't think he's super particular about it so I'm gonna have to decide how I'm gonna say his name going forward I'm gonna go with Felipe for now but he was uh, officially announced. We already knew he was in camp practicing uh, with the team, played in the game, the the um, the friendly the other day, scored the only goal in that friendly the other day. We got it official today on Monday that he will be signing for the team. We kind of knew or had the idea that this was going to happen, and I had kind of talked myself into the idea that I was, like, excited about this. I watched some video of him. Um which I'll talk about kind of what I saw in that video in a little bit. But part of the news today is that he's going to be on a supplemental roster spot. Uh, And I know some of you are asking like, oh, Landon, why are you talking about this dumb again? Like nobody cares about it. Nobody understands it. But in this league, this stuff is very important. And it's, it's what makes good teams and so that when you see Seattle Sounders and the Portland Timbers are good every year, it's because they do this stuff right. They get guys like Felipe on supplemental roster spots. Like this is the stuff they do well. And so that's why I talk about it all the time. I know it's boring and doesn't make sense to most people, but it's important. And so the fact, what, what does this mean? Him being on a supplemental roster spot. It means we're paying him probably like $82,000 a year. He was on... Just two seasons ago, he was on 500K. He was on half a million dollars. We're getting him for 82. Um, 
again, why should we care how much he makes as long as he's on the field? It means there's a senior roster spot that he's not using that we could use for somebody else. That's why it's important. And so the fact that we could bring somebody in now, sign uh, a trialist, sign somebody else, or wait until the summer and see what spots are are needed and bring somebody in, in then, it just gives us a bit more ceiling to to bring in a bigger name with with those extra spots. So I thought that that was really important. Uh, as far as who he is, I think I think he's going to be fun. Uh, I listened to some interviews, read some read some stuff. He really likes engaging with fans. Has a really fun personality, and also he has a uh, a reputation in the league for being a guy that, that like other teams hate playing against. It's he he goes in really hard and tackles and I saw a couple of those in that preseason friendly the other day he leaves his studs up every once in a while uh, he'll do anything to get a competitive advantage and that can be something like rolling the ball a few forwards on a free kick when the ref's not looking uh, and then sometimes it involves violence but he's he's going to do anything he can to get a competitive advantage which I think it's great to have a guy like that on your team yeah didn't you have didn't Christian Polanco respond what didn't he tweet <laughs> yes. at you or he was in that he's in the twitter thread about it today at least what was he, that he comment? responded to my tweet about it and he said like essentially like alex ring and and felipe martin's in the same roster i'm going to tune in just for like for the accumul- accu- accumulated yellow cards alone and this is christian plugger from the cooligans who uh has been following mls for a long time as an nycfc guy but um yeah it's going to be like the bash brothers like just these two badass dudes wrecking shop in the midfield, which I don't know how often I'm sure it's, we'll, we'll see him on the field at the same time quite a bit, I think, but um, I'm really into this signing. And then at the other, you know, when you talked about him, like engaging with fans, we, from all accounts, like saw a lot of that, even this morning, I feel like there were a bunch of people that either like sent him, like made comments on Instagram or tweeted at, I think it was mostly on Instagram. They like responded to a whole bunch of Austin fans who were excited about him coming to town. So I think he's definitely embracing the community for sure. Yeah. So as far as like what kind of position he's going to play, he's played, uh, he's played six, he's played eight, he's played 10, mostly centrally, but pretty much any of those midfield spots, he's played quite a bit of all of them. Um, I hadn't seen a lot of his play. I knew his reputation is kind of like a hard man. So I, I was expecting like the destroying aspect of his game, but after watching some, some film of him, He's a lot classier player than I thought he was going to be. He's pretty good on the ball, distributes the ball well, uh, plays some pretty clever little passes every once in a while. So I think he could play the six. He's he's defensively aggressive enough to play in the six. I think he's also creative enough and, and like classy enough on the ball that he could play further forward if we needed him to. So I just really like the um, the like flexibility that this gives to our midfield. Yeah, I think it really shows this just it's solid and it's deep now and it's in a, we're in way better shape than I think we were afraid we were even. Gosh, remember when we didn't it's a few weeks ago when we didn't know Halisi Segura was going to be back or not. We were trying to figure out where the depth was going to come from and well, we we found it now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I this is I feel a lot better. I I felt pretty good about the midfield in general, but um and was a little bit sad to see Segura go without seeing him play, but where we are now like i'm i'm pretty happy with it uh anything else we want to cover on on felipe before we move on 
No, I think that I think that covers it. I think it, he's he's going to be a good addition, and he's going to slot right in, and it'll. But he did so. He did he play at all last year? I guess it's the one thing, and I haven't seen any concern about it. But didn't he had an ACL injury, right? I think at the end of nineteen twenty. He did. He came back at the end of last season and was like fully fit and going. Okay, last cool. season and got to play quite a bit at the end, but. Uh, this is a guy who's got like, what was it? 280 MLS appearances. Yep. I, he's, he's now has the most caps on Austin FC's roster. If that tells you anything of like most MLS appearances on the roster. Uh, but this guy was like a big deal back in the day. He was like pretty much Red Bull's best, one of their better midfielders, the, the year they won supporter shield. And so this guy was like, a very highly regarded among MLS midfielders for a long time. And he's, he's getting a little bit older. He's had some injuries, but he's, he's still got it. And I think he's going to be, yeah, I'm excited about it. Especially for what we're paying and where, and where he's going to Absolutely, sit. Yeah. Which I guess leads directly into the next, this next, next bit of player news. And somebody that did not pan out is somebody that we thought we were getting a steal on. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody we were paying the exact same amount of money is Kakuta Mane. Uh, I've had a couple of conversations asking about like what what's money gonna do is he signed with anybody and uh, i told actually talking to brian parker the other day i was like i want to be surprised if i saw him pop up on a usl roster here in a little like he might be holding out for an mls spot but i wouldn't be surprised if he popped up on a, a usl or yeah usl roster and lo and behold today uh san antonio fc announced that they signed cuckoo to money so he's just going to be right down the road um i yeah I'm, I'm curious if he just wanted to kind of stay close to his austin home and not not have to stray too far again, but I'm, I'm glad for him. I, I hope he does well. He, he wasn't up to the level of MLS last season, but I'm hoping he can maybe find some, refine some of that confidence he had in his younger days and, and do well with, uh, with San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, he can, he could be a productive player in, 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 uh, USL and he's not that old in the scheme of things. Right. I mean, is no, there a 26, 27, yeah, he's, he's young. Yeah. So he so, can still kind of get things right in USL and maybe have another, you know, another run as a productive player in, in MLS somewhere. Yeah. All the best, Kakuta. Uh, another little bit of uh, Austin FC adjacent news is Q, Q2 announced also today. A lot of news today. A pretty heavy news day for a week that we thought was going to be news light. But uh, hosting two Liga MX teams, Club America and Rayados, are going to play at Q2 March 26th at 7.30 p.m., uh, these are not included with season tickets because uh, because they want to make some money off of it. <laughs> Austin FC is not playing in it, but uh, that should be. I imagine that'll get a lot of folks in Austin excited, right? Like these are two. For those who huge don't know, these clubs. are huge. Yeah, two of Mexico's biggest. Like Club America is like probably the biggest, like as far as fan base and history goes, the biggest club in Mexico. Uh, Reados is like up there, top top three or four probably as far as just like the money spent and what their roster looks like big team. So that'll be really exciting. Um, some more exciting news, which I think we've like gathered adjacently, but the club hasn't outright said is that the new away kit will be released on February 15th. Yeah. And in very, uh, Austin FC fashion, they made a video that was really cool. It was all black and white. Had uh, Stephanie Prado Dempsey, elementary school teacher by day, and uh, Capo by by night, talking about sort of the future of Austin of uh, 
I guess building the future and the future of Austin FC. And at the end of that, it talked about the jersey or just had the date that the jersey was coming out on the 15th. Yeah, which uh, this brings us to our first listener question. The, the back half of the show is going to be all listener questions, but we'll tease tease that with one now that's related to the jersey. And this is from from the book of Bricky Fett. And they ask, mint, hashtag mint in or hashtag mint out. Where do you stand, Jeremiah? So is this, I guess we've, we're, we've, we're all assuming that the jersey is going to be mint at this point, right? And we're just opining we've on heard, we like it or not? Neither, yeah, I guess so. Like, neither of us have seen it, but we've heard so much. And like, it's, we know it's going to be mint, but uh, I guess, yeah, just the, the concept of mint. Are you into it or no? I am into the concept of mint as long as we're not one of 15 clubs in mint. Yeah. I mean, it's way more verde adjacent than white, for sure. True. So I'm in with that. I mean, there's a lot of other factors that can make it good or bad, but I mean, I, I have no problem with a mint jersey and buying yeah. one. Same. In theory, I'm into it. We'll see what the jerseys actually look like. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, so another thing that we've kind of heard through the grapevine, there's we we talked about a few episodes back about the possibility of getting a third jersey, and it seems like we are hopeful that maybe we would get one next year, uh, but it seems like it's going to be later than that, right? Yeah. So what we we've heard, I, I guess there's kind of two parts to this. One is we do sell enough stuff that we're on track to be one of the very few teams in MLS who could get a third jersey, but that the because of the design cycle that is probably going to be that we have to sell a whole bunch of jerseys this year like we just did last year and then hope that in 2024 we'll get one just because of how long it takes for these jerseys to get made. So I guess if you want to see a third jersey in 24, go out and buy a whole bunch of these minty green kits in 22. <laughs> I think that's I think that's that's the message we heard out of this one. I don't... Well, we don't have enough time for it, but I think, I think it's kind of dumb that it takes that long to make a jersey. And Yeah, I don't understand. I don't love it. I don't understand it. And it just like is a thing everybody accepts. Did, did you have anything else you wanted to, to hit on there? No, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I don't like... It's it, like the fact that it takes that long and then most of them still look the same. <laughs> like if it were like it takes two years and all of them are like these unique, like really cool things, that would be one thing. But it's not. It's like they mostly all look the same and it takes two years to design them. That's the part that I don't get. Yeah, and I don't. And well, and you could just look right down the road. Uh, you know, I mean, USL does some cool and interesting stuff. It doesn't seem to take like San Antonio. Somebody was posting some of their jerseys um, kind of in the Monet stories today and they had these like fiesta kits these other things and yeah i mean there's a lot of fun things you can do that we just don't seem to get to your point maybe it would be yeah. worth it if you took the time i think the usl teams make their own contracts with um uh, equipment providers and so they have the freedom to kind of just say like this is what we want and then adidas will say okay this is what it's going to cost you and the club can decide if that's worth it to them or not uh, MLS is a league-wide contract, and so they're kind of at the mercy of what Adidas says is going to work and like what works business-wise, and I, I think that's why we are where we are. But uh, it's not ideal, but we've seen some cool jerseys every once in a while. We saw Philadelphia got that really unique one as a third kit last year, so it's possible. Um, I'm hoping for better things in the future, but we could get some decent stuff out of it in the current situation. All right, I think we should take a quick break. We're going to be right back, though, with a lot of listener questions. Like I said, we probably got too many, which thank you all for, for being so responsive to our call. But 
Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we're going to answer as many of those as we can. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. Jeremiah was driving down I-35 the other day to go, actually go to uh, to the TIFO painting thing. And there's a big FVF billboard right off the side of the road there. And it's got this big, uh, like, like hawk falcon shape on it. It's really cool, which reminded me of the video they told us about, which I can't say anything about. But it made me even more excited to see that video that they're going to play at Q2, that first game. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I, there's a billboard that's close to our house, too. And I appreciate that it's Austin FC stuff and not Angry Guy standing next to a wrecked semi truck <laughs> not naming names not naming not, names. Not names. well it, it's like there's like 10 choices if you go that other way but yeah i love I, I do appreciate the approach and the the difference in the way that they work absolutely all right well you can go to fef.law to find out what makes fef a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case once again that's fef.law all right, we are back and we have a ton of listener questions, so we are going to jump right into them. Uh, Jeremiah, do you want to ask the first one for us? Yeah, we'll ask the first one because I know you're one of the uh, city's foremost experts in the Austin FC Academy. <laughs> so the first question is from Steve. Uh, Austin FC talks about the Academy a lot, more than I see other teams doing so. Do you think our ownership intends to copy basically the Frisco model, or FC Dallas model? Because I, I notice all the FC Dallas references all say frisco on twitter by the way but do you, <laughs> do you feel like given the talent in our region do you think that uh, austin fc is looking to model that same kind of approach uh not entirely i don't think I, I don't know that austin will ever be able to replicate fc dallas's system entirely just because of where they are uh the dallas like Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex has a lot more people to begin with than Austin does. Also, where FC Dallas is up in Frisco, they're right in the middle of a bunch of like pretty wealthy suburbs, which is tend to be hotbeds for soccer talent anyway. And so what FC Dallas does, they're kind of playing a numbers game. Like they have a huge academy system. Like they own all these other little like leagues and teams not just within their main academy system, but they have this huge like network of roots that kind of go into other places and they draw from all of that, which is part of the reason why they're so successful. The other part is, um, is putting resources into it, really good coaching, a lot of resources, which I think that part of it, Austin is going to try to replicate, like treating it like a real thing and actually putting a lot of, uh, intention and resources into it. Um, so because of just kind of population, I don't know that we'll be able to do the exact same thing, but I do think Austin seems to have a real focus on uh, the methodology of the academy, and they really want to turn out players who play a certain kind of soccer. And so I don't, like I said, I don't know that we'll ever have as many players, like FC Dallas had how many players on the national team the other day? Like it's like a, a third of the team at times. Yeah. And so um, I don't know that we're ever going to see that, but I think we could see like the guys who do come out, they're going to play a certain style and you're going to say like, okay, this is 
an Austin kid. So, you know, he can do this and this and this. So I, I think that could be something to look out for. Yeah. And the other part of that for us is the, having been out at the performance center is like the, the physical space, right. And just yeah, the building and sort of the, the commitment that the club has to spending um, in that area is really strong. And it was cool to see like the Academy kids and like the first team players being somewhat nearby each other too, with our training, which is going to be really motivating, which I know was something that they were, kind of planning on as part of the model and then hopefully we don't get the sell dip players as soon as they become useful part of the model <laughs> yeah or at least not to that level all right next question comes from cesar murillo uh and his question is do you think we'll sign a player now to fill that international spot or wait and use it in the middle of the season so we talked about uh martins being on a supplemental spot that leaves us with two senior roster spots. We also have an international roster spot available that we don't know what we're going to do with. So it seems to me like it's a little bit late in the game now to use it. Also, maybe a little late in the game now to sell it. Uh, do you think that we could see it being used before the season starts? I don't think that we see it used before the season starts. I mean, I think this is differently from last year where Claudio was very explicit about saying with that final uh, designated player spot that he was, that we were going to wait until the middle of the season and see what happens. And then, you know, we would adjust based upon how people perform. I mean, I feel like that would be the smart play with this senior roster spot and an international spot is to just have something in the bank whenever we get to the June timeframe to see what we know most need, but we haven't like, that's just speculation, right? We haven't heard that. That's what I would do with that spot. If it was up to me. Yeah, I I think that's that's fair and like this it's a good like patient move by Claudio and I know you you expressed a little bit of like annoyance with the patience that that the club shows sometimes which I think is fair enough like it is annoying but you know what team isn't patient and has never been patient Jeremiah Are we talking about FC Cincinnati? It's FC Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> just think like we're not just throwing a bunch of money at stuff that we hope works. We're, we're kind of building this out systematically, which is like frustrating now, but hopefully will pay off uh, in the not so distant future. Okay. I'm willing to be patient for that for a little <laughs> bit longer, but I just, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. And speaking of a guy that we brought in, um, this is uh, a question I think is on a lot of people's minds. What is the latest time that uh, Gabrielson can arrive and start start immediately? And the second part of this question is, did Valencia arrive soon enough? Which I think we addressed that. But on the Gabrielson point, um, how far off are we? I feel like the clock is ticking on that one. Yeah, and this was from Kevin Trahan, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're kind of at that at that moment now, right? So if you look back... I think I actually saw you post this on Twitter earlier today, Jeremiah. But Oh, I did. Yeah, uh, that's right. Driussi was out of, like, he had played his last match about three months before his first match for Austin, and he didn't play, like, he came in, like, at the end of that game. Yeah, he played 29 Dallas, right? minutes, yeah. And that was about 10, I think 10 days after he came in. And so we're kind of pushing around i think gabrielson's last match was november 21st and so we're kind of in that similar territory now so we'd almost need him to arrive this week for him to even be a possibility for that first game i think so do you think how disappointed will people be if in the first match we go in with cascante and romagna um I'm, i mean a little bit i i think 
if we go into the first match and Gabrielson's not even in the country yet, that's one thing. That's fair. But if he's here and just like, okay, he needs another week before he's 90 minutes fit, I think that'll be a different thing. I think people will understand and have a bit of patience, but uh, I think it's going to be really frustrating. It, like, again, it's not anybody's fault. Like, the visa stuff is visa stuff, and it's out of anybody's control, really. So, um, yeah, I, I think if he's if he's here and going to be ready soon, I think people will be able to handle it. Yeah, and we've seen with the green card. I mean, whoever immigration people are apparently are pretty competent, given like the three guys that got green cards surprisingly in less than a year. Yeah, it's, it's, clearly it's, it's not the fault of, of that of Austin FC. Uh, so in my my last job, I worked for uh, a third party study abroad provider, and part of that was running a visa service for our students who are going to study abroad in Spain, and I can speak from firsthand experience that a lot of uh like the headaches of that is the offices of the it's like I was working with Spanish consulates here in the United States um a lot of the pain was working with those offices it was not like the hold up wasn't on my end it wasn't on the students end it was on the Spanish consulates end and so you're relying on government entities either the US's who uh are particularly annoying if you're trying to get into our country or other countries who can be like bogged down with like crazy bureaucracy or being understaffed or whatever it is. And so there's a lot that can get thrown into that. So whenever I see people criticizing Austin FC for not getting visas done quick enough, like, no, 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 you have no idea. <laughs> have never done it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. So let's, let's go to quite, let's see. We've got three questions here from our friend, Harry from San our favorite non Austin FC fan, Harry, <laughs> our favorite, yeah, and he's found some. I think some easy piece to uh, to to be okay with. I mean, he listens to the show, and I think he just I think maybe he likes the players. He likes the fans. So, number one question: as a podcast, anything new that you're planning for this season? Yeah, how much how much do we want to share here, Jeremiah? I, I think, think we I, should we should go ahead and share it. This is baked enough that we can talk about it. Yeah, so we're gonna plan on doing a Patreon soon. So, uh, for those who don't know about Patreon, it's a way that you can support support us financially i guess show your appreciation for for what we do if you want to uh it doesn't change anything about the show the show will still be free it will still come out once a week like it always has but if you want to um you can essentially give a donation to the show and there will be various levels and we're working on kind of what the rewards for those levels will be but if you give this much we'll give you a, a prize for it essentially so we're, we're kind of working on finalizing that right now yeah, and I think we'll probably have a little extra content in some form to be determined too. You know, on that, on the, on that, uh, beyond what we have now. And then the next question is: Is there something Moon Tower Soccer would love to see from the club as far as access or to help the show? And I would say this is not just sucking up to the club, but they are actually super helpful and super nice, and probably way more than they need to be to yeah. a couple of guys that like talk about soccer from their <laughs> back bedrooms. You know, so. Thanks to James, Ryan, Cam, and then Tom and Mauricio before all the Austin FC marketing communications for people for being so for being so helpful and accommodating and probably, yeah, more than need to be. And there's probably some other good news that we'll be able to announce soon related specifically to that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, going back to the first question, things we're playing for the new season, we're planning on continuing more episodes of Swoon Tower as well. Uh, Steph and, uh, and Mike are 
planning a wedding and I think like COVID has kind of messed up their plans and has made it extremely complicated for them. So um, that's kind of slowed things down a little bit, but we do plan on doing some more swoon tower uh, in the near future as well. And then I, that was all of Harry's questions, right, Jeremiah? I don't think he had any others. Yeah, I don't think we we, we, we don't need to address <laughs> anything else Harry may have said. But yeah, is, he, he says when when is awesome Chris Wilhausen announces the third host. I I've never heard of Chris Wilhausen. I don't know don't know who that guy is. <laughs> all right, next question is from Logan Jones. Uh, he says, from what has happened this off season, do you believe Austin has done enough to keep up with Frisco? I know our eyes are set on loftier goals, but it's a stepping stone on the long path of meeting fans, the front office, and player expectations. So do you, do you have an opinion on this, Jeremiah? I don't have a good enough one yet because I not, have not really looked. I mean, I know Frisco signed, signed some big names. Um, I, just, I don't have a really good sense of how that has, fits into what all they're they're doing, you know, and what the lineup looks like. And I think, you know, I think they're, I don't know. I don't have a really strong opinion. Do you? Do you? Uh, yeah, I, I somewhat. I mean, you look at some of the the big signings they made. So, like MLS record trade move for Paul Ariola. They also just announced uh, Alan Velasco coming in from Argentina as a 19 year old winger. They paid, I think, the reports are seven million. So, like a pretty big transfer for this kid, but he's still 19. Um, like we know Paul, Paul Ariola produces in MLS. He's a good MLS player. Uh, it looks like Jesus Ferreira is probably going to fill in the peppy sized hole at the nine. And they'll have Franco Hara behind him. Paxton Pomacall, if he's healthy, will probably slide in the midfield. So I think those kind of front four, those four most attacking players are going to be good. Uh, but. I think the rest of their midfield is like not necessarily improved. They lost a couple of guys and the guys they still have, I think are pretty good, but like aren't super high level MLS guys. And then their back line was not very good last year, although they have some really good players, but they brought in uh Nanu who's playing for Porto last year uh, for as the right back. And then, uh, I think Tafari is kind of there, like Romagna, like this young upcoming guy that they're like, oh, he got better last year. And if he continues to get better, our back line might be okay. But that's not guaranteed. Um, uh, Martinez, uh, I think he's Spanish, was another center back that kind of didn't really pan out last year. Matt Hedges kind of had an off season. Uh, Ryan Hollingshead ended up playing in the midfield and on the wing quite a bit. And so... I think th like the front four is good, but behind there, I think it's still several question marks. And so even though they've made some big moves, I don't know that they're necessarily going to be like a way better team than they were last year. I mean, and they're definitely, we've got unknown um, coaching uh, right. you know, position there too. And something as Austin FC fans, we should be very familiar with the challenges, you know, of, ha of having a new coach. So yeah, they're so, they're so unpredictable and hard to tell. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, it's not just them. It's like half the West or two thirds of the West probably. It's just, it could, they could be in a, anywhere between like fifth and 14th. And I feel like they're definitely in that, that group of teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. This is another Logan, Logan Bartlett with the expectation being playoffs and 50 goals. Do you remember where that was? I, it was like some interview with Danny Pereira that they said that the goal was to score 50 goals this year. 
I don't remember what that was that. from. I like that. I like that goal because that's that would be quite that would quite a bit of an increase. But no, I don't remember seeing that one. I'm sorry for whoever made that video. I, I, but yeah, Danny Pereira said somewhere that the team's goal is to score 50 goals this year. Uh, and so Logan continues, which which are our most important games this season? Uh, make or break must get points matchups. So I think, I mean, the Texas teams are going to be big ones, right? Like we ended up some of the worst teams in the league last year. And so we need to be, we need to win those games, not just from a, like a Texas pride standpoint, but from a table standpoint, like we need to beat those teams. Um, yeah, is there any other teams that you have in mind that, I mean, I would put, I would put uh, San Jose and, and I mean, RSL had a good playoff run, but I would put them in that same category too, especially at home. I mean, I think it's going to come down to winning all your winnable games at home and being somewhat decent on the road. Yeah, I think that's right. Like it's it's not necessarily certain teams, but I yeah, I think it's we need to win most of the games we're supposed to and then at least get some results on the road, and that's what it's going to come down to. Um as far as the goals thing though, so with that 50 goal a goal of 50 goals, I was looking into that a little bit. So we had 35 goals last year, which was the worst in MLS, <laughs> which I didn't quite remember, but not great, not great. Um, so if we're gonna, if we assumed just like goal totals are similar to last year, if the current players kind of do what they did last year, uh, Drew C had uh, how many? He had five goals in seventeen games, and so let's just say conservatively, let's say Drew C scores ten, so that's plus five from last year. Um, let's say we get ten combined from all of our strikers. That's plus eight from last year. That means just two more from like anybody on the team gets us to the, those 50. So I think that's an entirely obtainable goal. Do you, do you feel the same or am I being too optimistic there? No, I think especially, well, Drusies is basically do the same thing over a full season. It was five right. out of 17 is 10 out of 34, right? And I have and, quite a bit of confidence that he's, he can do at least 10, if not more than that, if he's yeah. healthy all year. No, that seems very doable. I mean, the strikers were historically bad last year. You'd have to think Cecilio has maybe another goal or two in him. Um, and then what would Ring have like four? I mean, there's plenty of potential for Ring had four. Dominguez and Fagundes both had seven. And so you would think like maybe not exactly seven, but not far from that. And then you could just like averaging it out with other people getting a bit more. Yeah, with Ring a bit further forward, you'd think maybe he'd get at least that many again, if not a couple more. So I think it's doable. Hopefully... We're not being fifty. Seems very doable. It's fine. It's like this, nobody, nobody, nobody's gonna remember that this <laughs> prediction is completely off. And it's not like we do these things and then put them on the internet to live forever. Oh, I like this uh, next question. I want to take the next question if you're ready. Go for it. it. Okay. Well, see, this is from Kowaisenberg. I guess it's uh, Kawhi Leonard and Heisenberg. Is that the combination there? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and it's a beautiful, beautiful image uh, on Twitter there for him too. Okay, over-under. Going back to over-under from last time. Over-under one and a half McConaughey appearances this season. Oh, man. You have if, to think it's over, right? If this is, And I like his second one. If this ends up under, I'll vote that we strip MOC title and give it to Shirtless Child, which would be Tiny, Tiny. Seb. Yeah. You have yeah. to think it'd be over, right? I think it's got to be over. I think this definitely, there's going to be a first game appearance. We don't see there's any way that there isn't. So we'll find out against Cincinnati here in a couple weeks. And then, I mean, you would think with sort of as much chatter 
as folks have you know said online and, and in various places sort of about the lack of public appearances last year that you would get more. And I think, didn't McConaughey say at one point last year, like, I'd like to be there more, but I can't, and there's a reason that, like, there's a reason for it? Or am I remembering that wrong? No, yeah, he kind of referenced as, like, there's kind of a reason why I haven't been there as often, and, like, you'll know about it soon enough. Like, I don't know if it's, like, work he's doing. I don't know what it is. But I know there's also stories for a while, like, of um, – his mother due to like health reasons, like being unable to be vaccinated and he was being really careful with that kind of stuff. And so not going out into public whenever he didn't have to. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's lots of reasons why again, like I, we've, we've covered this before, but I don't have a problem with him not being there, but I do have a problem with them calling him the minister of culture and him not being there both at the same time, both together. Yeah. I think that's, that's the fair point. That's a fair criticism. Yeah. But I think it's going to be over. I think we'll see him at least a few games. I'll go, I'll go over too. All right. Next one is from some guy. Again, I've never heard of him, but his name is Chris Wilhausen. He says, last season, Wolf would occasionally move to a back three when trying to close out a game. Now that we have added so much depth, do you think he'll still try this or just field more defensive-minded players? I think that that was just a function of the lack of depth and being late in the year and people being tired. And I feel like we will f- more often than... I don't think we'll see a lot of that. I think we'll field a more standard lineup. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think with the with more depth and having a bit more flexibility of playing style between certain players, I think in a move, and this is actually something Chris and I were talking about the other day, was like in a moment where we're up and we do want to go a little bit more defensive, uh, instead of putting an extra center back in uh let's say let's take out um i don't know one of the the front four guys and go with the midfield of johan valencia uh felipe martins and alex ring like put those three dudes in the midfield and just wreck wreck the other team as they try to come through i like that game plan a bit more and like keep your basic shape your basic principles going and just change the personnel to a bit more defensive minded players um, I think that makes more sense than trying to change formations. But I think you're right. I think it was done out of like, who are players that I trust to go onto the field right now? Who's healthy enough to go into the field right now? And those two questions were almost always answered with nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, here are the 11 guys that, close, that are the closest to fit that profile. So let's figure out a way to get them on the field, whether it's like tactically wise or not. Yeah, and then uh, there is a follow-up from Gore-Tex Haver, and he said, I've been thinking about this too, especially with so much depth on the wings. I feel like Gallagher is primarily a wingback now. Um, and so he talks about putting Gallagher on the right as a wingback, Kolmanich on the left, and then Ring, Valencia, and Jerusi in the midfield. I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like the the concept of a back five in general with playing like wing backs. So let, let's clarify this first. The difference in like wing backs and full backs. So a wing back is generally when you're in like a back three or a back five. Those full back positions are generally called wing backs in that formation. They have a bit more freedom to get a bit further forward and play almost more as like wide midfielders. But um, I think Gallagher could be okay in that spot, but I don't necessarily like it for this team. 
yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like it for the way that this team, this team's built, and you know, there's no Nick Lima, right? Where you gonna, or is he part of your back three? In that, in this, yeah, situation? that's the question. That's the it's question. Just, like, it doesn't feel like it fits the personnel, I guess, that we have is is what what I think. I th- yeah, I think one thing you have to keep in mind is like by doing that, you have to put in another center back, and like center back is probably our weakest position depth wise right now you can maybe say fullback but um you're essentially saying we're going to put in another center back one of our weakest positions and so you're taking off one of your stronger positions to make room for one more of your weaker position which i don't like that idea in general i think nick lima could do okay in a back three if he did it a lot but he hasn't done it a lot so if we were going to like say like he's going to be Cesar Aspilicueta and like this is what you do now and just like turn him into that player fine I think Nick Lima would would be quite good at that but uh just like throwing it on on a whim and like not really putting that much training or thought into it I really don't like it so I would prefer not to do a back five this year unless they're kind of committing to doing a back five this year and like really yeah. going all in on it yeah that totally makes sense um, do you want to go? Let's go into the midfield. This is from Dave Smith. Who gets more yellow cards? Ring, Martins, or Valencia? All are super aggressive midfielders. Beast mode begins. I think it's a very Ooh. good. It's a very good question. That's a tough one, Dave. Um, I don't think it'll be Martins because I don't think he's going to get the same amount of minutes as the other guys get, and I think they're probably all going to pick yellow cards up at about the same rate. That's the only reason I'm not picking. Uh, Martins, um, I'm looking at total yellow cards last year. Danny Pereira led us with seven. Alex Ring had six. So Felipe Martins has averaged about five per season since he's been in MLS. Um, but it, the, these are years when he was like, like starting 33 games a year or whatever. I'm still going to go, oh, it's bet- between Ring and Valencia. I'm gonna say ring still. Okay, I'll go. I'll go the other way then. I'll go with Valencia. I think is with him sitting back and sort of being the one that's gonna be more on cleanup duty. That he'll end up picking up more yellow cards. I think that'll be a good sign for this team if Johan Valencia has the most yellow cards. I think that's a good thing. We we need someone back there who, if we're gonna play with the ball, right? We're gonna play possession. So. If we lose it, we need other teams to understand that like this guy is going to wreck you if you're in transition in his midfield. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing if he has the most. Uh, Next one is from Tyler Reed. He says, Poch looks like he's really successful at River Plate. And recent quote said that if you can't get him to play well, you don't know football. (laughs) Thoughts on how this reflects on Wolf or is it more of a fit thing? So uh, I'd like to challenge really successful so far. He's played four games, preseason games, <laughs> but yeah, he has played. He has looked good though. Um, so what, what, what are your thoughts on this one, Jeremiah? Oh, we've I kind th- of covered it before, yeah, I feel right? Like we've covered it. I feel like it's fit. Did you read the quote that he's talking about? Yeah, and I don't know if we need to name him. It's someone who I would. Who was also quoting somebody else. It wasn't an original quote. Oh, was it not? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a quote from somebody quoting somebody that basically said, I don't know who their coach was, who his coach was in the NLS, but clearly they don't know soccer or something about that. Something like that. Yeah. No. And I, I, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Like 
Wolf has a very specific thing that he wants out of his players. You could question his um, his competence to be flexible with that around players, but also it's a specific system. Players need to be flexible to that as well. So, yeah, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Maybe I, I w- we'll have different opinions on that a year from now, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know that you can say it's all Wolf's fault. It's all. Uh, Pochettino's fault I think it's a little bit of all of that and the system combined that made it just a situation that wasn't going to get better yeah and I think for 2022 both Pochettino and Austin FC are better off for the moves that have been made yeah and that he's not here and grumpy and that we do have the flexibility that we to be able to make the moves that we've made so I just I feel like it was the best thing all the way around at least for this team and that player and the, the way we're configured in this season yeah, and again, let's have a good season, sell them, spend that allocation money on somebody else. All right, next one is from Zach Lyons. He says, are there lessons from the USMNT's 3-0 win in Minnesota that Wolf, as a protege of Greg Berhalter, could use for our squad going forward? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> what did somebody I, say? Sign Weston McKinney. That would be I say, one yeah, good play, play Weston you... McKinney. He's been like on fire, but like I don't like Honduras is just not very good. Is part of it. Uh, Weston McKinney is amazing. Is part of it. So like I don't. I I think there's a lot of criticism of Burhalter's playing style and how it might fit with a national team, which I think is fair, but. I think this is a thing that happens a lot is like conflating complaints about the national team with complaints about MLS. People give like Jossie Zardes, people give Jossie Zardes a lot of stick because they're fans of the U S national team, but forget that like Jossie Zardes is one of the best strikers that's ever played in MLS. And like, if you're an MLS team, you should like jump at the opportunity to have Jossie Zardes on your team. The same with Greg Berhalter as a coach, like, as much as you think like his style may not fit with the national team, he was a successful coach in MLS and with teams that played some really nice soccer and probably punched above their weight uh, as far as like spending goes whenever he was there. So yeah, as, as much as you, if you don't, if you're not a fan of Greg Berhalter for the national team, I think it would be um, a little bit unfair to say he was not a good MLS coach because he absolutely was and I think that that system can work really well in MLS yeah to to that point the reason I believe this to be true the reason that people talk about that system not working for the national team is because you just don't have the time together right you don't have the practice minutes because you're flying guys in and you've got like two days of practice and it's just a system that takes a lot of precision and takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of coaching time and like practice time and stuff like that and all the things that you do have the ability to do at the MLS level and at Austin FC that maybe don't work for a national team. And it, it is still an ambitious thing to do on the MLS level, because I think another argument about like the positional play system is that you need really good players to be able to pull it off. And I think that's the thing that Berhalter did well is like he had Pipa Higuain uh, as playing that 10 spot. I think Austin was kind of missing that a lot of last season, but Drew can be that kind of player. And so um, I think just with a little bit of time to gel, a little more time in the system, getting a few more of the right pieces in, that it can work here in Austin. And like Wolf's system is not inherently bad. He didn't 
it, he's not executing it to what he wants it to be and what the what the team should be but that doesn't mean that it can't be that way because we've seen it work in this league before in the not so distant past yeah well let's go on to the next question so marcelo tesson gives us a hard time for not saying reaper which we didn't say again <laughs> and the other person who gives us a hard time about pronouncing things right is going to be Adies, right? Silva. I've never said his name wrong on this okay. show. I don't. I don't know. He well. He's, he. He I wants us to it, say his name right. I think. I think might, I got it. It right. might be because I've never said his name on this show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. So we're gonna. I'm gonna go with his question, and he was gonna let us know, or if I was wrong about it. But so I know the playoffs are the benchmark that everyone's expecting or wanting this year. How many points per game after the first ten would be a good indicator that we're doing better uh do we need to be a little bit higher from the 0.91 a game from last year or much higher oh i remember last year you know we started all these matches on the road and then we had this belief that oh if we just average a point a game on the road we're you know we're going to come home we're gonna have a bunch of home games and things are going to be fine which obviously did not did not turn out to be true um so i would say we need to be off to a better start than that this year, given the balance of home and road games this season. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's the the biggest point there is that we're not playing all those games on the road. We are going to be at home some. And so 0.9 is good for a stretch on the road, but it's not great for 10 games, half of them at home. I think we do have like a pretty tough stretch in those first 10 games, but that like you, you need to do that. Like we said, you have to pull off some results that maybe you shouldn't, uh, yeah, we've got, wanna... I mean, we got Cincinnati at home and Inter Miami at home the first two games. So those, if we're going to be any good, like those are, that's four or six that yeah. you have to get out of those two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Next one is from Swoon Tower soccer host, Mike. He says, Jean's been our first international call up for a bit now, but do you think there's chance anyone on the team gets actual minutes with their national teams in the lead up to the world cup? Is Jean still our best hope at this? I think he might be. I mean, we've got uh, maybe Gabrielson future... got some call ups last year for World Cup qualifiers, but the reason he got those, from what I understand, is that they the Norwegian national team had like an outbreak of COVID cases, and he got like an emergency call up just because he was in Europe and didn't have COVID. <laughs> and so I don't know that he would have necessarily gotten those caps if it weren't for that but like maybe that happens again and gabrielson gets called up but um yeah jean might be it yeah i think you're right i'm hopefully that going going back to the academy point hopefully at some point in the future like we'll be able to fill in that gap you know for the american team but i don't think anybody else is very close to being on their national team roster yeah hopefully micah burton gets to play in the u17 world cup Next year, maybe it's in 23. I don't remember when it is, but in the next year and a half or so, hopefully that'll be our most minutes actually played. Uh, next one is from Paco Saavedra. He says, do you think we're looking for left back depth or is the plan really to go with John Gallagher, Charlie Asensio, and Hector Jimenez? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. Well, I think this is, this is where... To the question about using the international spot, like if I was going to use it right now, I feel like it would be shoring up a fullback. And I just don't know if there's like that person to fill that, you know, role now. Um, I don't even know if you even need to use an international spot to get somebody to do that. But I feel like this is the, that's sort of the thinnest 
spot that we have in the in the roster right now. You look at the total depth chart. Like it's a little bit scary, especially if somebody gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. I I would like like again. We don't know. Like having Gallagher as a second string depth at fullback still makes me nervous. Um, we do have some flexibility. Jimenez and Lima can both play on both sides, but I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing for a back line if one of them is playing on a weaker side than what they need to be. Um, I would prefer they sign someone else at that spot. Maybe Charlie Sincio is that guy. Like Maybe he looks good enough in preseason that he can be depth on that side, but uh, if he is, great. If he's not, I want them to get someone else. I don't want them to not sign Charlie Sincio and then also not sign a different left back. Right. Um, let's go to Troy Bjork, I believe. Uh, it's in. So if you look at his his handle, the beer key. The beer I'm going to assume oh, his Troy last Bierke. name is pronounced beer key. <laughs> probably, probably so. This is a- which do you think would be better, Austin FC consistently raising the ceiling or Austin FC consistently raising their floor? I would argue that while we didn't hit our ceiling enough, I would say it's pretty good. I think raising the floor would lead to more wins. Um, this kind of goes back to my like patience point earlier. I think if you look at again, like Seattle, their floor is always high. They've their ceiling has dipped at times over the years. But I would prefer to be a team like that that has a high floor as opposed to a team like what the, I don't know, the Galaxy or these teams that will go and throw a ton of money at one player and bring them in and then that player leaves or something goes wrong and they're just terrible the next year. I would prefer to have smart, well-built rosters that can make it to where we're competitive every year as opposed to... Uh, having flash in the pan heights that we fall from the next year. Yeah, I feel like those are the moves we made too, right? We signed a bunch of just steady veteran presences. You know, if you look, if you look at the depth chart now, you know the people that have moved down are a little bit better than the people that were there last year. And you know, we didn't add a big flashy signing this year. I feel like that's what Austin did a good job of this doing this off season was building that floor up and not having to go to any willing body or some kind of weird three five two we've never played or anything like that when we run out of players. So I think that's where the build is coming. And I do think that's probably the best way to go. Yeah. And if you just continue to do that year after year, that's how you turn into a team. I think Portland is a good example. That's kind of what Precourt has said. He wants to be spending wise is around what Portland's doing. Um, and yeah, that that's how you do it is, is you make sure your floor is always high. So yeah, that's the one I'd pick. Well, so do you want to then also take this question from this guy, Jeremiah Bentley, who tweeted Again, it Again, never heard of him. Jeremiah never heard Bentley of him. asks on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. uh, what single player needs to show the most improvement over last year for Austin FC to move from teams competing for last place to teams competing for a playoff spot? Um, do you have an answer to your own question? I do have an answer to my own question. It was, it was, I was, you know, it generated a fair amount of Twitter discussion. Um, and I feel like that has to be Cecilio because just to the ceiling and floor discussion we just had, I feel like Cecilio Dominguez is the person who has the biggest gap between how they performed and what their ceiling might be. Um, and knowing that we didn't make a big splashy signing, he's the guy that kind of needs to show up every day. And I feel like that was what a lot of people said online too. So that wasn't, I just was mostly curious about whether people shared that same opinion or whether we would get some other, other names. Do you have a different response to that? I, th- I have two others that I think are worth mentioning 
here, uh, one of them being Musajite. Um, he had some probably reasons why he wasn't performing uh, as well as maybe he could have last year. I think the reason maybe you disqualify him is because we have other options at striker now. And so if he's not doing well, we can throw a Ruti in there. Or maybe a Ruti wins the starting spot by the beginning of the season. Um, that's why you might disqualify him. But we need a striker to do well this year. The other one is Johan Romagna. Um, if the back line is going to look like what I expected to, he is the starter that uh, he did improve last year, but needs to improve more for us to be uh, to not be like the weak link on the team, essentially. And we're going to need him to start, if not most games, a lot of games. Um, so I think he he could fit into that into that conversation as well of a player that we need to improve a lot in order for this team to be better. Yeah. I think those are both, those are both good points. I was trying to find some way to ask about a specific position, but it was going to be like a 700 character tweet. It was going to be like, which individual player, which player or individual position to your point, like the strikers have to be better, right? We have to get more out of that position, but then I just decided to leave it at player to make it, uh, to make it more straightforward. All right. I think that is all we have time for, Jeremiah. Uh, we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Also, like, tell a friend. Like, that's I think that's how we've grown the most is uh, people finding us on social media through supporters groups and also just people telling people about it. So tell a friend, tell your mom. I know we have some moms who listen. I think my mom listens every once in a while. Um but yeah, that, that that would greatly help us if you just like let people know. You know, people who are into Austin FC into soccer, tell them about the show. Uh, we'd also encourage you to go to the Striker Texas website. Jeremiah, where can folks uh, what can folks look out for on that this week? I would say this this week and for future weeks, the Know Your Enemy uh, Striker Texas previews of all twenty five other MLS teams um, are pretty good, especially for people who haven't spent it like me, but basically spent two years following MLS. Like once I knew Austin had a team and the first year in the league. So it's a good way to get a good overview of the leagues. So they're working from, I think last to first in each conference and they've gotten, they've done nine so far. And so I expect, you know, throughout the rest of the preseason, those will be rolling out, but there's a really good overview of sort of what to expect out of various MLS clubs. Uh, we maybe should have teased this earlier in the show, but can we say who our guest is going to be next week? Oh, I think we should. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be one uh, Bradley Stuver. You may have heard of him, but we're going to do that interview later this week and he'll be on the show next week. So we're excited about that. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, but we will be back in one week with another episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Muchas gracias. Bye, bye.